0: Now, for something completely different picking tech stocks in turbulent times. Odds are pretty good. Everyone listening has investments in the market and probably in tech companies. There are plenty of people giving advice about stock picking. And when it comes to tech stocks, there are plenty of so called story stocks, you know, companies that have a great story that investors just love. And the, the hallmark though, as everyone knows of smart investing over the long run is being disciplined, unemotional, smart. Yeah, and I know no. luck doesn't hurt, of course, but that's that's another story. So when it comes to internet stocks, my guest for this part one of a two-part episode fully meets all three of the key criteria: disciplined, smart, unemotional, well, at least about stock picking. <laughs> there are few better than Mark Mahaney at Evercore. You know, I, I have to say, because it's in his bio, we'll talk about Mark's book in a second. He's been ranked as the top internet analyst every year for 15 years. And uh, number one, I think five of the years. And it's, of course, you know that admonition about uh, past performance and all that. But but that's the, that's what we all look at. I mean, we, not for promises, but for credibility and track record, it's, it's that you know, the past performance actually matters. I mean, highly ranked basketball teams are not ranked based on wishful thinking; they're ranked based on what they did in the past. So uh, I'm honored that uh, Mark, that you agreed to join me and talk about
1: technology and stocks. Uh, it's good. It's great to be here, Mark. Thanks for thanks for inviting me.
0: So we're going to talk about tech um, broadly, stock picking because you know that's what what you do. Uh, I used to do. I still do some of that. Mark and I met, I should say, by way of full disclosure on a f- recent Forbes investors cruise where we both were presenting our own versions of reality. You know, mine is sort of more macro focused although I, I engaged in the parlor game of stock picking, of course. Uh, Mark is, uh, doesn't do it as a parlor game. He does, he does it as a profession, which is what matters. Uh, so we talk about tech, about cloud, artificial intelligence, uh, what this means for our future and the country. And some of our listeners, you know, actually know I wrote a book about tech <laughs> and uh, forecasting what's coming, coming. You have written a more important book in many respects, I think, published around the same time my new book was published. And I'll tell my listeners, they can buy it on Amazon. The first thing I did when I met Mark Mahaney is I ordered the book from Amazon. The title, to tell you what we're going to talk about, Nothing But Net, 10 Timeless Stock Picking Lessons from One of Wall Street's Top Tech analysts. So we're going to, t- Mark, I want to talk about stock picking, but first, because you and I talked about this off channel on the ship, talk about the big picture first. You know, this is pretty much everybody thinks we're living dystopian times, a lot of political chaos, culture wars. You know, the Fed is trying to kill the economy. We got a war in Europe. I mean, it seems like, you know, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket, as they say. And here we are going to talk about it being a good time to invest. Uh, everybody seems to want to head for the hills with gold and bury it under their mattress. So, so first, uh, big picture. I mean, why do you think this is a good time to invest in tech? Invest at
1: all? Well, um, I think, Mark, by the way, in order to really invest with joy in technology, you have to be what sort of you are too, which is an optimist. And I'm not, I've never been one of those uh, heck in a handbasket kind of people. So glass has always been half full or quarter full or one tenth full, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and when it comes to tech, yeah, because you, you want to be able to kind of look forward, you know, not to the next couple of quarters, but the next couple of years. and... Try to figure out whether Amazon in 2002 was going to be the Amazon that it turned out to be in 2020, which nobody could have predicted. Absolutely nobody could have exactly. predicted. But, exactly. you know, you're looking for a few things. But just to answer the question right now about why we're constructive on it, because, you know, we kind of went through heck last year um, and we had this dramatic sell off in tech stocks. And for a lot of very good reasons, um, the stocks got kind of. Uh, in the wake of COVID, they had surges in demand for most digital products and services. That led, of course, like the market tends to run. Um, you know, there's a crowd mentality out there, and it overbuys and it oversells. Like, like
0: and, running with the bulls, as they say.
1: Yes, that's right. Running with the bulls, you and running with the bears. People do it. <laughs> yeah. And so we 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 entered uh, 23 this year with um, you know with what, what I considered to be estimates de-risked, multiples de-risked and then two very interesting trends one on the cost side i mean you've had more rifts reduction in forces across tech than ever i mean literally ever yeah. because tech wasn't as big back in 2008 2009 and it is now as it is now like 200,000 jobs laid off layoffs amongst tech amongst tech companies i think there's a lot of definitional issues in there but the point the broad point remains yeah. you took out a lot of costs which yeah. meant that you know you create these eps slingshot opportunities you know when the revenue recovers you do it off a lower cost basis that means earnings slingshot they yeah. really reaccelerate stocks react well to that and then the last thing is this thesis that I know you and I are going to talk about, which is artificial intelligence. And you know, artificial intelligence has been around for quite some time, and so is machine learning. But something came and grabbed investors' attention and public's attention, and that was ChatGPT. Yeah. Yeah. And now you got every company mentioning it. I mean, I stopped counting how many times I heard it on earnings calls this quarter because I just I couldn't I couldn't I wasn't artificially intelligent smart enough to count it that quickly. But anyway, so there is there's no question though that it's going to lead to some improved applications. Uh, the Ability for companies to do better uh targeting, more personalization, better services, reduce costs. I mean, there's a couple of different wins here. Yeah. And yeah. so I just sort of thought that you put all this together with stocks depressed and then costs taken out, and then maybe a new growth driver, even if it's overstated, it's still there. Uh, and I just thought this is a, you know, like you, I'm sorry, you want to buy high-quality assets when they're dislocated. That was the big point of my book, DHQ stocks, dislocated high-quality stocks. And doesn't mean you have buy all the tech, but you certainly can come in and be tactically constructive at the beginning of the year, and you still can be. That's why I like tech uh, tech this year. Much prefer to buy it after a disastrous twenty two than after a fantastic twenty one.
0: Yeah, you know the point you make, which is a really important one, is I mean, anybody anybody's an investor, not a day trader, but there's day traders out there. We we know that, and and it's a very good professional uh, uh, traders who you know short and. Go, well, you know, I mean, this is not a, a news to, but the most investors, y- you really are thinking about what's going to happen in a couple of years or a few years. I mean, there are investors who invest for the long, long, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. If you're young, put money in a, it, whatever, whatever fund, leave, leave it alone kind of advice. But it's really hard for people to get out of the uh, sort of the, the moment, the present when, let's just stipulate the obvious. You and I both know a whole set of exogenous events can cause the market to get really uh go south and a lot, but you could end up, you know, if you buy stock X today because you because you think it's a bargain by the metrics you've outlined, and still see it go down two, two, three months from now. That's not the question that we're trying to play with here. It's you can't perfectly time it. This is a self-evident thing for any 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 smart investor. What you're looking at is the same things I look at. So what's really going on in the economy? I mean, do we really think the world is ending? You're if you're in the apocalyptic camp and you think the world's ending tomorrow economically or physically you know then go to the hills you know you're a survivalist but is amazon going to stop functioning as a business are people going to stop using social media yeah there's problems with social media but this is obvious right you're you're a parent i'm a parent i'm a grandparent now too we you worry about it talk to my kids about when are they going to you know, they have very strict rules, but when they're going to let their kids get near devices, right? They, they're, they they're, uh, I mean, they're talk about doctrinaire. They do not want them, they're, they're not Luddites. They love They love what technology offers. They're just very aware of what the downside is. Like handling anything that has high power has negatives. But th- if you think about what you've just said and ask the question, which is what I've asked in, in my book, and yours is a practical one, is where are we in this cycle? So technology is now infusing in everything to your point, what AI is doing with the cloud, which is sort of my thesis, which echoes your thesis. If you add the power of AI, which has been around for a long time and useful for a long time, big companies like Amazon have used AI to do shipping logistics and management for a long time. That's what they do. Not just to to point you to what you should buy, but really critically, the reason that they're so damn good at logistics, including FedEx, lots of AI in those uh, logistics chains. So, but now what we've done is made it cheaper and democratized it. I mean, ChatGPT is a a signal. It's like the Model T moment in my mind because it's not a perfect machine, but it's the Model T moment. We've democratized a very powerful tool which has implications across all kinds of sectors in terms of efficiency, new products and services. Who wins? Well, clearly companies are already good at this stuff. Got to be winners and they have a low cost basis. So if we wanted to think about who wins putting AI to work yeah, in in the world that you operate in, I mean, there's clearly I I operate a lot in the industrial world of where AI is going to help energy, and but th- those are the different kind of stock picks. Uh, it's a whole different realm. It's a tougher domain to put it to work. Frankly, uh, making ships work better with AI going to happen. Airplanes will work better with AI, but that's harder. Where 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 do you see um, yeah. the accelerant coming from? Better tools, not just to uh make advertising more effective, but better
1: tools for the businesses themselves that you that you cover. okay, so maybe maybe Mark, let me try to make two points. One is um, you know the the uh, and then I'll give you the quick exception to what I'm about to say the um, uh, uh, but, but my my general thought is the AI the big AI winners are gonna be companies with access to three pools pools of capital because yep. it's expensive, pools of data, large tra- large data so you can, Train your algorithms. You can train your large language models on large amount of data. Whoever has the most data can, you know, better um, um, come up with predictive models. And then the third is people who have access to pools of really great talent. I mean, I just think that may be the the real gating factor for how many great companies really are built out of this. You can only there are only so many geniuses, and uh, there are only so many really effective, really good AI data scientists, AI engineers, and a lot of them have already been. Uh, hired and got great options packages and stock packages by Google, by Amazon, by uh, Meta, by by Microsoft, it's going to be hard to peel them away. So, it, you know, there is going to be this bias towards the large companies are probably going to benefit the most from AI. But here's my exception to that open AI. Hey, that's a small company that started, um, didn't, you know, and getting access to capital. If you've got a great You're going to get capital. Uh, So I, I think that's kind of the history of Silicon Valley. Um, You, you can find capital, and even though Google has 100 billion in in uh, cash just sitting there on its balance sheet, which they should be returning more aggressively to shareholders. Separate topic. They, um, you know, OpenAI was able to get all the capital it wanted, and uh, you know, with a relatively small group of people, but very talented, very smart people, was able to really kind of create the big breakthrough. So anyway, that's the that's the that's kind of the what I'm looking for like I'm looking for companies that have those those three Act does access to those three pools but I'm fully cognizant of the fact that it, it there's a there's a bias towards large companies but there, I've already got an exception of a small company that came through here and then with the, and then how are we going to see this and I think it's 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 the ability to create really better more predictive models um more targeted models and I think you had a better explanation understanding than I did about the underlying factors that caused this to happen but I saw this great data point from one of the AWS data scientists who said the language large language models which is is what ChatGPT is, mm-hmm. um, uh, they've seen a thousand-fold increase in just the last three years in terms of the total number of parameters that they could operate with. In other words, large language models are running with hundreds of millions of parameters back in 2019, yeah. and now it's hundreds of billions yeah. of uh, parameters yeah. today, and it's the compute power behind it. That's why NVIDIA has been such a rock star stock. Uh, And so, and and they all get commoditized, but, you know, still the power of uh, these models is just to be able to go through more and more data to help predict, you know, our next words, our next sentences, our next paragraphs, our next pages, and then that's just for that's just for kind of the chat GPT element. But just think about like a travel agency. Sam Altman is on the, the head of OpenAI, is on the board of Expedia. You think about Expedia. Could Expedia use yeah. large language models to kind of better predict? You know, uh, if you're going to Las Vegas, you know, maybe um, come up with better flight options, cheaper ones uh, for you, um, you know, more interesting ideas of places to stay, things to do while you're there. Like that's, that, to me, that's a natural application. Um, you've got all the data that they have, could they not come up with a better customized offering for me if I'm going to Las Vegas? I bet you they can. And so I think that's, that's where you're gonna see these, I think that's where you're gonna see these applications.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I think we are we're already seeing some of that as you as oh. you know, and some of it's already happening behind the scenes. My my experience in uh, AI, especially in our the fund that, that I'm part of, is that for quite a few years, most of the people who put AI machine learning into their tools didn't want to tell their customers because their, their customers were afraid of the word artificial intelligence, and machine learning. They thought it was somehow a black box, spooky. And so they underplayed the role. So the, it's been there to your point earlier. I agree, I agree with you about um, not on the stock. <laughs> your architecture is clearly the case because we already seen the evidence of it. The companies that have access to a lot of money because it's still expensive. I mean, what most people don't know is the magnitude of compute power the hardware resources, the electrical energy alone, need to run the hardware. You know, if you talk to Altman about what they spent and uh, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in compute power, not buying hardware, just running the hardware. I mean, this is astonishing amount of compute power. It's, uh, most people don't realize that the uh, the thousandfold increase in, in the number of parameters you can look at. Required a three hundred thousand fold increase in the amount of computing resources devoted to machine learning in the last yeah. six years alone. Three hundred thousand fold increase in six years in compute resources. Compute resources is the you know the Dweeb's term for hardware running flat out uh, computing, not MIPS, but computing co- consuming electrons from the grid to do this crunching, right? To learn and do inference. Okay, that takes capital. Uh, and it takes you—you—you're crunching data, so you have to have access to data. I agree with you. Talent is—you know—talent follows two things. It follows what you pay them, but it follows something else. So let me let me throw something else out uh, that—and this is the timing question, which is not a timing about months or even a couple of years. Clearly, big companies, whether they're uh, social-related companies like Facebook or Twitter, or Businesses like Amazon and Apple have a huge leg up in those three pools. But the point you made about what where chat GPT came from and open AI and what the trajectories of these technologies are, let me let me throw out the, it's gonna get cheaper. Uh so the, the capital required to do AI is a good example. The exception that you mentioned is Chat GPT. Once, once all the all the uh cloud providers decide that they're gonna offer by the drink access to machine learning. And that's what they're all going to do. They're all doing it. They're all planning, they're all announcing plans to reconfigure their data centers to offer this by the drink, inexpensively. They're chasing each other to the bottom to make it cheap. So the capital to access this is going to collapse, not overnight, but let's just say, I'll I'll say within a few years, the data pool you need gets easier to get because there's so many other things that companies have data, they just don't know what to do with it, frankly. They've been accumulating data, storing it in files on site, or in devices. So the data pools act are, not only exist, but they're getting easier to get because that technology is getting cheaper quickly now. That's the internet of things that used to be fashionable and everybody's forgotten about it, but it's but the technology has proceeded despite yeah. not being in the headlines. And then the talent pool is one of the goals of semantic web and, and AI is to make it easier for the less talented to do the, the talent heavy things. That's the whole point of it. So some of the earliest attempts for creating AI was to write code. Not not to figure out how to travel, but how to write code, how to do code code writing and code error correction. So I see the other thing about the, t- the talent is even though the big guys love to pay up for talent, the kind of people, the changes that you and I have met and we know about, sometimes they're hard to keep at big companies. They like... They they don't culturally necessarily like to be there. These small startups can attract them because they enjoy the small uh, challenge. They enjoy you know breaking things, so to speak. You know that nomenclature, and they can't do that in big companies for a yeah. long. So you end up eventually finding you you can get those people out. So I I have in my head two timelines, which are not that long. One is the world of today. Those who can do what you described, the three big pools, the pool of capital, the pool of data, the pool of talent. They have clear lead. That means they're going to offer better things that people, consumers want. That's great. I'm looking out only, let's say a few years. I'm, I don't think this is a few months trajectory, but it's not really a long trajectory. There'll be some surprising new players that will have data that you don't know about today. Capital will not be, the capital requirements will be low and the access to talent will improve. I don't, you know, what I want to do one of these days is is you and I take your metrics uh and pretend it's 19 oh I don't know, let's say 2002, 2005, And and imagine taking your metrics and laying on top of the the the, the companies that existed then that nobody knew for sure would be great companies. Amazon mm-hmm. and just look at those metrics then and say, would they have been reasonably predictive about what happened in the following 15 years? And I'll bet they're reasonably, reasonably predictive, not as predictive, but reasonably so. And then take that template and lay it on top of companies today that people aren't paying attention to and sort of ask a, a softer question, harder to be specific about. All right, who, who might be the Amazon of today? I mean, 2005, the Amazons, the Apples, who are the companies? And this isn't, I know this is not an analysis you've done. It's one I notionally have in my head to say, all right, who, who would those be? Who, who's going to ride the wave that uh, and, and people are looking at, I mean, even Tesla, when it came out, it, people were pretty excited about it, but nobody really believed it would become as valuable as it became. Oh, I should say nobody. I, I met a few people who thought that, but the, the bet you, that you pointed out that, uh, that Amazon, which was obviously a successful company in 2005, no one thought it would become what it yeah. became except maybe Jeff Bezos. Right. Uh, but the metrics were there. They were in place. They already had talent. They already had scale. They had capital, even though they're burning it like mad. Uh, And they were riding a a new wave. The wave they were riding, of course, was the internet becoming low cost and easy to use. That's the wave they rode. Now we've got a new wave. We've got cloud and AI, which is different than the internet because those two fuse together. They'll prepare new kinds of travel companies, perhaps, new kinds of services that no one is really uh, using at the same scale. IBM uh, met your metrics in 1960s. So the big winner in computing wasn't Apple. It was IBM.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I took your metrics in 1965. They beat Univac. They beat Burroughs. They beat, I can go through a list of computer companies that all existed that made computers. And IBM beat the pants off. And uh, it was a great buy. You bought IBM in 1965 and sold it in the 80s. You you were you were a genius. And along came Apple. And uh, Apple was an upstart, but they did they rode the same, they were on the, the the following edge of the wave, if you like. That's the pattern I think we're in now. For stock picking, the the is higher risk in the domain I just described. Yes, um, it is much higher risk, but it's an interesting one.
1: So that's you're going to get your big beta plays at that you know at the application layer, I guess. So you get the infrastructure layer, you get the chip companies, and there's a couple of identified winners. And probably I don't know the chip space, you know, I don't cover it, but uh, you know, I, I'm this I imagine there's some winner other than Nvidia out there. So that'd be that'd be the question I'd have for anybody who follows semiconductor chips. And then. Um, Uh, And then I'm really intrigued by the more you talk about this, the more we talk about it, Mark, and I think about all your background in cloud, it's like, I'm just struck by these applications are all going to, you know, people, there is, you're going to need the chips, but you're also going to need, you're going to need the cloud vendors uh, because there's massive amount of compute and storage requirements associated with this. The one thing that probably won't be replicated famous last words, prove me wrong in five years, is um, uh, there are three major cloud vendors today. Yeah, four maybe with Alibaba. You know, there's uh, Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, and Alibaba, and maybe Oracle, maybe. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so, but but those companies, I think, are about to go through a real demand inflection point, like a reacceleration in revenue growth, which is always good for stocks. And I just think about well, which of these companies is not acting like it? which of the stocks? I mean, is not acting like it. Microsoft close to all time highs. Yeah, Google not too far away from all time highs. Amazon is your outlier. Yeah, that, that's right. So you and I talked about Amazon on the on the uh, on the investor cruise and. You know, that's, it's um, it's it's not been one of my top picks over the last year, but I've increasingly started to inch it up, inch it up, inch it up. And now I think it's kind of at that point where it falls into my classic, you know, d- dislocated high quality company. It's still the global leader in retail. It's still the global leader in cloud yep. computing. Guess yep. what? Cloud computing has got another leg of growth. The question you and I need to answer, Mark, and investors should answer is, when will AI workloads become material enough to cause overall cloud computing demand curves to start inflecting up. When that happens, uh, you know, maybe Microsoft gains a little bit of market share, but the overall wave is going to be greater demand for uh, for compute power, for storage power. And that's where AWS is just sitting there waiting to hit that fat pitch as it comes across the plate. So I'm really struck. I'm, I, the more we talk about, it, the more you and I go back and forth on this, the more struck I am by that the action question is when does, and I this is what I've just started asking my channel checks, when, when do AI workloads become big enough to really move the needle? And I think yeah. they, they will for cloud computing companies. As an investor, yep. you kind of want to get ahead of that. You and I'm, just, I'm just struck by the fact that, don't tell anybody this, but the largest cloud vendor in the world is Amazon. It's AWS. Oh, it's actually oh, is. Overwhelming. It- and, and you know we're sitting here at close to a trough multiple. I mean, you know, like so, I'm going to buy now before everybody else wakes up to the, you know, the idea that Amazon is actually an AI winner. And it, you know, they, I don't know why, and maybe, maybe they haven't invested enough in it. I don't think that's true. I just don't think their style is to go out there and promote themselves. It's, it's always been sort of an understated company. Yeah. Yeah. In my 25 years of covering, them, I'd say that that's probably true. Uh, and um, uh, and and Google's been relatively understated. Microsoft's been surprisingly overstated. But yeah. I just think that you know the market's kind of glammed on to, to 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 Microsoft and and Nvidia and Google as ways to play AI. And just forget, don't forget that these AI workloads got to be run somewhere. And I know who the largest cloud vendor is. And you're not, it's not priced like it is.
0: So I'm, you know, I I've, I've, in my head, I I have two buckets when I look at this infrastructure thing. One is. We're, you know what's going to be really different ten years out, and and that's the the high risk thing. But yes. we can answer the question of what's going to what's going to happen. I think in the next two or three years, because as I write in my book, when it comes to technology forecasting, people get hung up on the clickbait. This changes everything. You know, I I mean, yeah. I I do in my my lectures and speeches. I talk about the next generation of of silicon semiconductors for AI, which will change everything. There there's some really big big, there's some really dramatic stuff happening in the semi-business, really dramatic. But that that's not echoed in stock prices for a very good reason, because we're oversupplied in semi-stock. So it's a beat up, except for NVIDIA. But when you ask about what's going to happen in the next couple of years, the future is already written in the recent past. You, you can only build what we already know how to build. So clickbait about magic new stuff is irrelevant. What you'd want to know is what could you build if demand goes up for something tomorrow? Well, to your point, If there's going to be a lot more demand for AI class of machine learning, which we know is unequivocally the case, everybody's chasing it. You said you heard an earnings call, everybody babbling AI. Part of that is just trendy. You want to say the word because you hope it gives you some glow, but it's not that. A lot of it is, if you talk to these people behind the scenes, is they're not comfortable actually talking about what they've been doing for a few years, which is trying to figure out how to make AI work for their business. So they're talking about it again because they were told by their... (laughs) their investment advisors don't talk about it scares people right you know this it, it's yes. a black box so now they're now they know in the in the after you know math the glow of a of chat gpt so unequivocally the the beast the guy the company that owns the biggest infrastructure not just the biggest infrastructure but the most impressive architecture i mean i, I was on a board of a company that designed power systems for data centers for about a decade so i got uh, it's sort of an inside look at the, uh, the infrastructure hardware side of data centers. It was fascinating. Uh, it, it, the company that is, there's all, of them, all the ones you mentioned are good at it. They're really good. Google does great cloud. AWS is awesome. But, but the Amazon team, is, they really are beasts and they're huge and they've got scale and they understand what the hell they're doing. So I agree with you. I think if you look at this, say, where do I make the bet? You bet on the guy that's undervalued if you're a stock picker. If you want to bet on technology broadly, they're all, going, they're all going to benefit from this because there's competition in that space. Amazon can't serve it all. I would say the only risk exists for Amazon. This is me wearing my public policy hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cloud has become utility It's in every respect. What a utility is, is what, a, what cloud is, is what water and electricity are. We provide some people need and you and the utility function is critical because that's why it makes it useful. Anybody could use it anytime and you drive costs down monomaniacally, right? And keep advancing advancing quality. And nowhere can you do that better or faster than in silicon. I mean, you could just you can't compete with AWS cloud with an on-site computing because they're just going to be turning over uh the capabilities at a rate you can't compete with. All right. They get they're huge. What's the you know, I live in the DC area. The, the, Regulators have a history, and we are, by the way, at this roughly the same point in history in terms of years from the dawn of the electric age to the dawn of the Public Utility Holdings Company Act, which broke up all the vertically integrated electric utilities. When the utility function just exploded in growth, you couldn't have done better than invent, invest anything but utility electricity from the early uh, 20th century. Uh, into the uh, 1930s until the Public Utilities Heli- Holding Company Act and 35 after, years after the dawn of the electric utility, the government broke them up, just broke them up. Now so I've thought about this in terms of Amazon. So what if the government decides and governments can do what they want I mean governments governments are governments. So, and there's it, it, a lot of bipartisan unhappiness with the scale of, of these companies. What if they did that? So I'm an investor, I'm thinking about this all right, if I were valuing Amazon, in its pieces, its utility function, its retail function, its delivery function, its warehouse, its warehouse skills are off the chart. Equal, their, we now know they're equal to FedEx and UPS. I could think of four businesses, all of which probably—I mean—you could see an invest. I don't think this has happened because nobody has the the juice to get on the board because it would cost so much to break up Amazon because all its constituent parts in total are worth more than its. It is in combination to the GE, the GE breakup, if you like that. I don't think that's good. First, I don't think it's going to happen because of a whole other set of factors that are going on politically. I also think nobody could, no activists could, could force it to happen, even though if they thought it was worth more broken up. So I'm not worried about, it. I'm just expressing the, the. if I were picking a risk factor for all of the cloud providers, especially the the three biggest ones. Is the government decides that they have too much utility power and that they're actually a regulated monopoly, and they'll regulate the hell out of them, which hurts value uh, sometimes, not always. You know, people invest in utilities today, and they're regulated, and they make money. But you're getting utility returns, not not tech returns. Yeah. That's that hangs out there, I think, but I don't think it's going to happen in the next two or three years. So I'm with you. Great company, incredible macro. And the point you raise, when do they start spending money to actually build out? So reading, this is, I don't have, I haven't talked to anybody, so I don't have any inside knowledge, but I just read what's written in the trade press about what's going on in data center design. And across the board, there is a giant pause, not just because they overspent you know, with the expansion during the COVID lockdowns, there's a giant pause, and it's overt and it's stated because they're trying to think about the architecture for cloud AI. Mechanical architecture is actually different in the data center. You have to build them differently. You have to construct power systems differently. You have to. I mean, it's just it's just different. AI, machine learning tools are different, but they're all doing that and they're all talking about it. So I I think, if I'm guessing, this is just me reading what's inside the trade press. I think we'll be reading trailing information before this year is out at plans for massive, massive builds uh that are all centered around AI inside the cloud for Amazon. Amazon's not going to announce it quite that way. Uh they will use, you know, elliptical wording, but that's I think we're gonna see it. And, and yeah, it'll affect uh NVIDIA stock, of course, but what you won't know, I won't know, you and I won't know is how, how many chips they buy from non-public. They traded uh AI chip companies and there's at least 25 or 30 already at scale making silicon that competes with Nvidia Nvidia in 1998 nobody thought it was a buy that's when they that's when they started competing with Intel now they're worth more than Intel but it, it took a couple decades so in, in, Intel would have been a good buy in 1995-96 um you know or, or, or rather yeah 95 and, or or then sell in 2000 and then rebuy re, rebuy in 2004 but i i think i think the tipping point's here i think the data are in that the building planning has begun your your question would be when do they actually implement the build yeah cuz then it then then it really is a big a big uh big tailwinds
1: Yeah, two two last points for me, which is, again, I I think the key action question is when do the AI workloads start to cause, because cloud computing has been in hyper growth mode for multiple years, and you don't normally, you know, inflect up on hyper growth mode, except the cloud computing has actually slowed down materially. As a stock investor, you kind of, as a growth stock investor, you either want that first growth curve or you want to wait until there's the big crash because it always happens and you want to be in on the second run. And my guess is that you're going to have a second run in cloud computing off the press growth levels for macro reasons and other reasons. And it's going to be that second growth run is going to come because of AI workloads uh, becoming material enough to really move the needle. So that's that's the question I'm kind of um, hunting for. And then on the regulatory risk though, my only quick thought is, you know Amazon does have one great Lena Khan defense. And that defense is, Azure, because there's no question that Azure is a grown. I mean, the cloud computing space is hyper competitive now. It's competitive amongst the two largest tech companies out there. Maybe that's not the exact, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, incredibly competitive environment we'd want. But there's, you know, there's uh, at the margin, AWS has face much greater competition than a seated market share to some other companies. And so anyway, that's the, that's the best defense that this is not a pure utility. It's kind of like you got some massive utilities competing against each other. (laughs) I
0: I, I think you're right. And I think um, that is a Lena Kahn defense for, for those who who, uh, are listening. And it's hard to imagine anybody who listens to my podcast doesn't know who Lena Kahn is, but you know, as the, the, uh, as the head of the, uh, the, uh, FTC, uh, she wrote, She got that job because she wrote a paper as a, 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 a student, a law student, that advocated the breakup of Amazon because it was too big of a monopoly. And But your point is exactly correct. The, um, the competition is fierce. You can't make the case that they're not competing and benefiting consumers, which would really be the reason for the breakup. But by the way, uh, the, the reasons for the breakup of electric utilities, just to, to, to argue against myself, uh, wasn't because they weren't competing and driving costs down. They were competing and driving costs down. And the reason reason for the trying to break up the railroads was not because they weren't competing and driving costs down back in the old railroad days when they broke up the railroad monopolies. It's because the politicians didn't like them, didn't like their power. There was no case, none whatsoever, that they were exercising monopoly power and pricing, which is supposed to be the basis for breaking up a monopoly that's harming consumers. But anyway, that... That's the politics that I'm thinking of, but I think it won't work because other events have overtaken it now. It's, it's lost its juice. But you asked, the, this is the really key question. And I think we know what the answer is and it has been answered. The need to build out compute power in cloud, which we already know is orders of magnitude, more power required in hardware terms her function than an equivalent function in pre-AI compute. So whatever metric I would use, whether it was uh, dollars or, you know, square feet of a data center space, if I wanna do search with computing as it exists today, to do search with AI requires more hardware, more power, more compute, and different. So you have to build out. So the question is, when, does, when do actual activities drive the need for more compute, more build out? Well, Google announced already that they're putting AI into search. The chat GPT doesn't do search. It's not tied to the internet, as you know. It's It did its learning. It stopped doing its learning. It, you know, it, it, it vacuumed up data from the internet, disconnected from the internet. You can access it, but its machine learning was based on history, and it's not working in real time collecting new data, whereas what Google announced they're going to do is they have already started to infuse their AI engine Bard into real-time search, that's huge. That is the trigger. And if once they've done that, everybody has to do it because otherwise their search will be so much more intuitively easy to use as people figure out what the new modality is on using AI to do search. Everybody will have to do it. Everybody has to do it. And they already know that. I think in the planning rooms, if you and I were sitting like uh, flies on the wall in any of the competition for Google, they're all saying, we gotta, we gotta put AI in real time, the real time function. And that's a wrap for part one. We'll be back in part two with Mark Mahaney, picking up on our conversation about the stock implications of AI, chat GPT, and chatbots. So closing out by reminding you that if you're enjoying these podcasts, please spend a few minutes to give us a rating, as every podcaster says, and I'm saying favorable, favorable one, of course. Until next time, this is Mark Mills signing off for this episode of The Last Optimist. <music>